got to give yourself time to think to step away from the tasks because the tasks will consume you and you'll never make the right strategic decisions, including how you're using digital tools. It sounds trite, but it's so true. Put it on your calendar, time to just stop and, and sit back and think about your business and think about what you ought to be doing differently in your day to day. So, you know, giving yourself that freedom is really critical, I think. Alibaba.com e-commerce Academy is the official podcast from the Alibaba.com team. Each week on the show, we bring you conversations with industry leading experts who are using Alibaba.com to build and scale their businesses. These conversations help you explore opportunities through digital global sourcing amidst changing times and find diversified winning products and leading suppliers on Alibaba.com. Subscribe and be sure to check back for regular episodes. This is Mike and welcome back to another edition of the Alibaba.com e-commerce academy podcast. It is so great to be back for another season working with Alibaba.com. Had a lot of fun last time as well. You can also find me over at another podcast, the Ecom Crew Podcast. Been doing that for almost 500 episodes. So if you want to hear more about e-commerce, you can also find me out over there. And with that, you know, I've been doing e-commerce since 2012 and sharing my journey there and here and interviewing lots of really cool people. It's been a fun journey. And today is no exception. We have Brian Beck on the show today. Brian, welcome to the Alibaba.com e-commerce academy podcast. Hey, Mike, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, these things always sound like they come off without a hitch because of a great team behind the scenes. But we had we had some tech issues and here we are. Hopefully this one will come off without a hitch. It's it's great to be chatting with you again. Before we get too deep into the podcast episode today, let me just give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and tell people that are listening who you are and what you do. Yeah, well, hey, thanks again, Mike, for having me. My name is Brian Beck. I've been in the e-com field for, oh gosh, 22 years <laughs> since the inception of, of e-commerce, I think, 1999. So I've been on the, both as a business owner running e-commerce and building companies in this field, as well as an executive running e-commerce at larger companies like Harbor Freight Tools and PacSun. These days, I'm very focused on B2B, Mike. I wrote a book called Billion Dollar B2B E-Commerce. I have a, a thought leadership series called Master B2B, where we work with companies and help them understand their opportunities, both on the buy and the sell side, in using e-commerce to transform their business. So I'm really excited to be here on, the, on, the, on your podcast with Alibaba.com and, and, and obviously a very important player in this, in this industry. So Really excited to talk to another practitioner. You're, 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 you spent a lot of time in this field yourself. So, yeah, but you're like the OG man. I mean, back in 1999, <laughs> I, was, I was just out of school and you know working at a gas station or something. I don't know. It's it, that was a long that was well, a long time I'll ago. Tell you, it, I was I was I was ready for the world to end in the year 2000. Right. You know, the, with right. the uh, the two digit date thing. That's right. Why two K? I, I have a funny story about that. Mm -hmm. It was. I mean, I, looking back, I I was actually at the, that year I was in an IT job mm -hmm. and my boss. I didn't know IT at all. So like I reported to like a COO and he was, he was convinced that the world was coming to an end and I should be there on New Year's Eve. And I was like, heck with that. I'm going up to New York city and <laughs> going to Times Square. And so that's how I spent that New Year's Eve. It was a, it was a fun time. No question. Um, yeah. So you mentioned you're, you're doing B2B e-commerce. Let's talk a little bit about the particulars and what makes things different in, in B2B versus B2C. Well, yeah, and this is the whole reason I got into B2B, and I was in the consumer side of e-commerce for many years. Most of my 17 years as a, as a practitioner were, was building businesses in B2C e-commerce. B2B is, is, you know, what's fascinating about it, Mike, is it's, it's still so far behind 
where B2C is today. But there's so much opportunity, both on the buy and the sell side, for companies to transform how they do business. And there's so much return on investment involved in and everything else. But ultimately, you know, it's, there's a lot of the same fundamentals that apply in B2B. You know, the, the, if you think about, you know, the, the, who the buyer is today for a B2B transaction or who the seller is, these folks are digital natives. In fact, 75% of the buyers within just a year or two are going to be millennials. You know, the folks moving into buying roles. And they expect these buyers, the folks that are listening today, you know, are they expect a B2C like experience from their B2B suppliers. They're informed by, you know, experiences with Alibaba.com, Amazon, other places. And they're coming onto their, their suppliers websites expecting to have a frictionless digital experience to, to, to transact and to relate to these companies. So there's value to the buyer. There's value to the seller. In, in enabling those, you know, those, those transactions to happen digitally. And there's enormous efficiencies to be gained. And the, and the companies that realize this on the sell side are achieving great efficiency. And those who use and ingrain really the, you know, that into their supply chain as well and how they're doing business, the digital, you know, ways to interact are also benefiting through efficiency and creating competitive advantage for their business. I've done this with my own businesses and, you know, it's, it's really exciting to see this now come to the B2B side. That's the whole reason I got into it because there's just so much opportunity. It's enormous, the transformation that can occur in businesses when they use digital as a part of their, you know, B2B process, right? Yeah. When I, when I think back to you know, that old corporate job I was talking about in, in 1999 and just the evolution of e-commerce in, in general, when I think about e-commerce evolving on the B2C side, it's very much people getting out of the malls, getting out of the strip centers and going to a dot-com and, and purchasing. When I think about B2B, you know, I think back to, you know, these, these salespeople that would show up at the office with a catalog right. <laughs> of paper clips and rubber bands, or we had a, a haberdasher that even came by. We used to get a certificate <laughs> for that for, for uh-huh. suits. The guy that would sell you the toner right. cartridges, the phone system, you know, all this different stuff. There was, there were people, salespeople in the office all the time versus not like you said, I mean, a millennial, has no tolerance for that. Right. They don't want to talk to somebody. They, you know, they want you to text them <laughs> instead <laughs> right. of showing up in yep. person kind of thing, right? Whatever it is. And so yeah, they want to, they want to buy all that stuff online and, and go about their day and they can care less about that relationship where, you know, I think life was all about relationships. And unfortunately we're kind of losing that. But if you ignore the fact that the world's changing, then you get left behind. A hundred percent. You know, it's, and, and you know, it's interesting. COVID accelerated a lot of the things that were already happening around this. And I get this question all the time, Mike, is this, you know, is this a death of a salesperson, right? Is, you know, the old Arthur Miller book, you know, think about, you know, is <laughs> yeah. this, does this mean sales people, physical selling relationships are dead? I argue that no, they're not dead, right? The person calling on your, calling on you, bringing the, you know, the, the, the selling you paper clips in your office. Some of though the commodity or sort of the repeated tasks or the, the stuff where, you know, the, the millennial doesn't have patience for, you know, calling a call center or faxing in something. Oh my goodness. What is a fax? What is a right. fax machine? But a lot yeah. of those, a lot yeah. of those, you know, there's huge benefit to digitizing some of the more, what I'll call commodity tasks or routine tasks or reordering or finding suppliers, you know, that, that really meet your need. A lot of that can be done through digital means now. And what's happened is, and what I, I observe in my day to day business working with, all kinds of different companies 
is that, you know, a lot of the, the more valuable tasks, the more consultative things the sales team can deliver, those still exist. If I have questions about, you know, how to install something or how do I use this thing in my business or how do I, you know, if you're a buyer and you need consultation, that's a great use of a physical sales asset. But if I know what I want, you know, get out of my way. I'm a millennial. Get out of my way. I'm going to source this and do it efficiently and be done. One of the central theses in my book is removing friction from the buying cycle, removing friction from the supply chain is critical. And when companies do that well, like an Alibaba.com does, when you go to the site and you can find things, you can find supply, et cetera, that's where you get, you know, the real benefit from digital. I know what I want. I'm a millennial. I'm going to go in. I'm going to search. I'm going to find it. I'm going to get it quickly. It might be from a new supplier too. You know, the other, the other thing I'll mention, like during COVID, 50% of buyers bought things from suppliers they've never transacted with before. And it was out of necessity. Because some, some companies, you know, they, they didn't, they weren't prepared for sort of the, you know, this, this inability to call on people that are not in an office, right? So I'm sitting in my home. I need to source something through, through digital channels. Well, guess what? I'm going to have to buy that from a different supplier. And guess what? Those suppliers are now benefiting from being, you know, in those marketplaces, in those places where, you know, where they could be found digitally. Because the, 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 the statistic is that, you know, 30% of, of people are still going to be working from home at the start of next year. This is, this is not going away. This remote sourcing, this remote digital interaction with salespeople, all this, it, it's here to stay forever. So if you're not, if you're a seller, if you're not prepared for that, you know, you, you, you're risking your very, you know, relevance in your business. So yes, I, I definitely argue that. E-commerce is an important element of, of any business these days. Yeah, and I think you know, the pandemic just really accelerated what was inevitable anyway, right? I mean, I, I think that working from home was kind of like this inevitable thing, but everyone was so scared to be the first one to either require it or suggest it or you know, wonder how teams would actually work remotely. But when you think about it, I mean, the you know internet infrastructure has is, is gotten so good now that you can work almost as effectively from home. There, there's no question that the in-person time is super important. We've, we've moved ourselves to like this hybrid setup where people come in once a week, required to come in, into one office once a week. I, I just look out for their well-being because I do think that they're, you know, humans are social animals and, and need to have some in-person interaction of some sort. It helps with like team camaraderie and other things. But like who needs to sit in traffic five days a week and have expensive clothing to go into the office and, you, you know, go find lunch someplace and sit in, in traffic to get back home and all these other, other factors and all the, the waste of time of having some coworker come, come talk to you at the water cooler and all this stuff. Even though, again, it, it helps with other, other factors, you know, right. so I think, you know, these things are, uh, you know, things that were probably going to happen eventually. It just kind of accelerated it. And also the way that businesses buy stuff, it just accelerates it. You know, that if there was ever, a flimsy relationship of having someone come physically sell you something, this really mm-hmm. kind of cements the fact that they're no longer needed. I mean, and it's sad. I mean, it's, there's lots of th- you know, things that, that progress. Uh, and when you look back at, at things a hundred years ago, you don't give it much thought. It's like, you know, there's no need for the horse and buggy driver any longer, but we don't, we don't give that much thought. But when it's today's taxi driver or, or truck driver that's going to lose their job to, to automation or the factory line guy who lose their job to automation or the, or the salesperson that used to come by who's no longer really going to have a job that 
might have been doing this for 25 or 30 years and is five or 10 years away from retirement and, you know, was just becoming irrelevant in that position. It's, it's tough. I mean, it's sad. Like this is what happens in, in society, but you, you, again, you can't ignore it. Like this is something that's, that's here to stay. There's a great book. I don't know if you've read it. It's called Good to Great by Jim Collins. And one of the things that he, I cite this in my own book all the, several times. One of the things that Jim said is you need to confront the businesses that are exceeding their peers in terms of, you know, enterprise value and all, all the rest growth. They confront the brutal reality of their situation, right? And that's, I, you know, the term is kind of, I, I like how he says that because what, what that means is really in this context is that, that, you know, businesses need to confront the fact that ultimately the world has changed, right? And, 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 the, and these are not comfortable changes. And when we talk about B2B companies, both, you know, folks who are transacting and buying as well as those who are selling both sides of the equation, understanding that, you know, some of these roles are changing and evolving and are, you know, and, and are becoming digital processes. And, if you're not embracing some of these things, you will fall behind your competitors. I, you know, it's interesting. I, I talked to recently visited with a, a machine tools company, right? It's a, it was with the CEO and he's digitizing some of the things that he's doing in his business. He took me into a room and he said, it was a big, you know, open room. He said, I said, what are you doing with this area? He, he was telling me that he's taking some of his, some of the folks who used to do some of the manual process you were describing, sales, you know, calling on people, et cetera. He said, I'm going to re, I'm repurposing my folks because I'm, I'm introduced, I've introduced e-commerce process into my, into my supply chain, into my sales cycle, et cetera. And I'm repurposing people because I'm now able to grow my business using these digital channels. And I'm, I'm, I'm giving these folks a new role. So he's not, he's not laying people off. I know it's not, this isn't, again, the death of a salesperson. It's changing the way that they're doing business. They're becoming more strategic. He's using them as now account strategic account reps where they're going out and they're calling on their customers and talking to them about their business. And from that, he expects to get, you know, new, new types of business, other places he can help his customers, et cetera. And, and he's turning his folks into more strategic uh, assets for his business rather than saying, oh, well, you know, I don't need them to take orders anymore on the phone because some of this is moving over to e-com. So it's, it's interesting how some of the businesses are thinking about this evolution. But at the end of the day, confronting the reality of change is really critical. And that that includes staying in front of your customers, listing product on Alibaba.com if you're selling, for example, if you're a supplier, or using these marketplaces as source as places to go and, and save time and make your process more efficient. So Yeah, absolutely. So so switching gears here, you know, I'm just kind of thinking through in my world and the someone directly to consumers and, and the things that are trigger points for them, you know, it's, it's typically, you know, if you have like a brand brand affinity and you think about something like coach or Nike or something where people are really yeah. care about brand, they care about, about price returns are usually a, a, a big thing. Trust mm-hmm. with, with a business, you know, being a good customer service. There's, there's, there's a list of like 10 of these things. Where do things rank? Are, are things different or is it the same? So I, I would imagine it's a different set of circumstances for, for B2B. And, and what are those things? Well, you know, it's interesting. That's a great, this is a great topic because you, you're getting to really loyalty. And traditionally in B2B, loyalty has been with 
relationships, right? So you describe the person coming by the office to sell office supplies, right? <laughs> Your W.B. Mason guy or whatever. You know, <laughs> it, it is, you know, I, th- I think that COVID has challenged loyalty in all new ways, right? Um, and I cited the statistic earlier, 50% of people buying from new suppliers, right? Mo- moving. So what I'm seeing emerge is, I, again, I don't think that loyalty is dead. Okay, I don't think that, you know, you talk about brand and brands, brand loyalty, it's loyalty to a person, loyalty to a brand, et cetera. But what I do think is happening is we're seeing more loyalty emerge to channel. And what I mean by channel is Alibaba.com. It's a channel, right? It's a way to sell. It's a place that, that, that if there's trust established with the channel, that's an opportunity for suppliers and buyers to get in front and use these channels and the, and the trust comes in the fulfillment. It comes in the, you know, the fact that these folks are vetted. There's, there's requirements. You know, here, here's another interesting statistic for you, Mike. 65, this is a, I think it was, I think it was Digital Commerce 360 did this study. And the, the fact is that, that 65% of people, consumers and B2B buyers will buy from a marketplace from a brand that they don't know. So think about that for a moment. What is that? 65% of people, because they trust the marketplace experience, if something goes wrong with the order, there's the marketplace will take care of, you know, the, the, the issue. 65% of people. So if I'm a seller of product, I'm a manufacturer and I'm a new manufacturer and I want to enter, you know, a new market or introduce a new product or reach customers that I haven't reached before, I can use a marketplace to do that. And the marketplace trust will come into my, you know, it will, will layer onto me or be a halo effect. I can reach new customers that way. And if I'm a buyer, I can buy with confidence knowing that this, you know, if I don't know the brand, I, you know, I, I can buy there and I'll, I'll be taken care of. I'm not risking my job by buying there. So if you think about those things, that creates both opportunity, that creates both opportunity. It also creates a competitive change for companies that have been in you know, relied on that loyalty for so long between the salesperson and the person buying in a B2B setting. So the world's changing, right? Confronting the brutal reality. And I think channel has emerged as another place where people are putting loyalty beyond the brand, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I would think that, you know, the biggest factors for a business are, you know, is the thing in stock and can I get it quickly? You know, mm-hmm. those types of things, because, you know, you, you got a job to do. Your boss is breathing down your neck. <laughs> your biggest thing is just like, I just need to check this box and move on to the next thing. And other factors, whether you've done business with them before is probably not as big of a thing. The, the price of it probably isn't as big of a thing because it's not your money. It's someone else's money. I mean, most right. people would hope would not just go spend it foolishly, but they're probably not as diligent as they would be if it was, if it was their own. And, and so it's just like, I want this thing quickly. If it's got a problem, I want to be able to like, return it and, and fix the problem yeah. quickly and isn't in stock and can I get it like today <laughs> or tomorrow? You know, it's, yeah, that's a great, Mike, another great point, right? One of the key differences, and I talk about this in my book as well, one of the key differences between B2C and B2B is that when people are in their role for B2B buying and using it digitally, using digital channels, it's all about efficiency. They want to do their yep. job more quickly. You know, on the B2C side, it's a, hey, can I, you know, do I like this late, latest Nike sneaker or whatever? You know, let me go down this immersive journey to see if I'm, I identify with the lifestyle and, you know, it's right. more of a shopping for fun. That's not B2B. B2B is get me to what I need quickly 
and get and get out of my way, or eliminate all the friction and using the same kinds of things, search, navigation, etc. Get out of my way, though. Let me buy it and, and get my job done, right? So the companies that deliver that and the and the buyers that take advantage of that are realizing tremendous ROI, you know, in terms of capturing new customers on the sell side and on the buy side, saving time, being more efficient with their job. And so, and it's it's a key difference between the two. And this also has loyalty implications. I mean, what you're saying, I mean, someone buys for their business, they're not, you know, they're not, they don't care about rewards points that go to the company necessarily unless right. they own the company. <laughs> so, yep. so there's different implications for loyalty there as well. Supply chain disruptions can cause significant delays to product orders. However, with the on-time delivery service from Alibaba.com, your B2B orders are protected in the case of any delay. On Alibaba.com, you can find around 30 million products that have a guaranteed deliver by dates. And should there be a delay, you'll be compensated for up to 10% of the order amount with a maximum amount of 100 US dollars. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more about the on-time delivery guarantee and other great tips at buyer.alibaba.com. Yeah, there's a really prominent company that, that sells various stuff for businesses. I'll leave their name out of it just to, you know, to be safe here. You never know. But like their, their program is like the loyalty stuff all goes to the, to the buyer. You know, so like right. you buy X dollars, you get a free hat, you buy you know, more dollars, you get a shirt. But like some of the stuff, the rewards are, are pretty nice. And they're all yeah. designed to go directly to to the person, the purchasing person in that department and, and right. circumvent the the actual owner of the business, which is a little shady in some respects. As you know, I look at it from the business owner's perspective. Right. You know, I don't want the person yep. that's making the buying decisions that, to be tempted by a free hat, which I know they will be. But it's also brilliant when you think about it from a business perspective. Kudos to the company that, that, that does this. And they're very well known. People probably know who I'm talking about. I just we'll leave them off the podcast. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. My, I mean, I, and again, I'm working with a lot of B2B companies, you know, depending on the business model, you know, whether it's a manufacturer, distributor, et cetera, there are different ways to create those kinds of programs, which, you know, at the end of the day, if you're if you own a P&L at a business, if you're an owner or if you're a manager of a business, if if it improves your P&L, you know the, the the loyalty aspect, you know whether if that's a some kind of a, you know a lot of companies will have ad rebates or they'll have you know they'll have certain co-op benefits that they'll provide to their buyers. If I'm a buyer, as long as it's if it's improving my P&L, it's one layer I see where it's pretty effective. And helping those companies to improve the P&L because ultimately they're measured by that, right? And if I'm a business owner, I'm certainly measured by that. But if I'm someone sitting in the company, there are there are other perks like you described that companies will will offer. I see often, you know, like events and trips and things like that. They go to the they go to the people who are doing the buying, right? And and it's and it may not, they may not may or may not be the business owner per se. So, yeah, I mean, I think there is a fine line there a bit. You got to be a little careful with it. But at the end of the day, th those things work. <laughs> they do. They do help with loyalty for sure. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. And they can be delivered digitally, too. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. So shifting that conversation again, just a little bit here. You know, we're, we're I want to be respectful of your time. We're already in the in the back half, back third of this of this episode. And I always like to to have some impact in a podcast rather than just a great conversation with it, which has been so far thinking through things when you think about B2B and, and just things moving forward, what are like the pillars of success to this? I mean, three, four, five things. Some of them now you'd be things you've already discussed, but 
Yep. I want people to that are in their car driving right now or at the gym with this in their ears to, to yep. have a couple takeaways of this is what I need to be thinking about and focusing on. One, two, three, four, five, boom, what are those things? Right. So depending on who, you know, what your situation is, I mean, one, well, I think the first thing you have to recognize is that, that the world is changing. So and one of the, it's interesting, my couple years ago, it was Digital Commerce 360 did a study and said, well, you know, why aren't you digitizing? Why aren't you using digital tools? What are the things holding you back? And the number one thing was that the leadership of the company, whether you're a business owner or within a larger company, didn't, wasn't on board with with making the right kinds of investments to, you know, to, to move the business forward and to recognize the brutal reality of what's changing. So number one, if you're a business owner, I think you need to look at and recognize that the world has changed. And it sounds sort of, you know, trite, but it's, it's the number one thing that's holding companies back. So I think number one, you have to recognize, you know, that, that change. I think, I think number two is t- then taking action on it. I think the, the number one thing you have to look at there is if you're a, if you're a seller of product, you know, understanding what the customer wants from you. You got to put the, you know, customer at the center. If you look at the most successful businesses in e-commerce, they're out involving customers in every decision they make. So again, coming from the sell side, understanding what those, what those customers want from you from an e-commerce perspective and then actually Funding it and putting the right resources behind it. Too often companies will rely on, you know, they won't fund it enough and they won't give the right resourcing. And that includes getting out and, and, and being on marketplaces as, as a, as a place to stay relevant to your customer as more and more search volume happens there, et cetera. Now, if I'm on the buy side, I need to be taking action and looking at using these new digital tools and channels to to in, to inform my business and to use it as a sourcing tool. So, for example, in my business, I use digital tools all the time. I'm a small business owner, right? So I use digital tools all the time to resource, to find resources to do work for me. I, I, there's a variety of sources for that, as well as, as using digital sources like Alibaba.com to find suppliers, to find new sources of, of product that can save me time, right? So I think... Confronting the reality that the world is digitized and getting out of your routine. And that's, it sounds again, kind of trite, but it's true. You have to get out of your routine in order to take advantage of these tools. Number, number three thing I would say is you got to give yourself time as a business owner to actually think about these things. You can get so caught up. I've learned this, you know, having started hmm. a number of businesses in my career. You, and you know this too, Mike, right? You got to give yourself time to think, to step away from the tasks. Because the tasks will consume you and you'll never make yeah. the right strategic decisions, including how you're using digital tools. So that's really number three is making time. It sounds, again, it sounds trite, but it's so true. Put it on your calendar, time to just stop and, and sit back and think about your business and, and think about what you ought to be doing differently in your day to day. So, you know, giving yourself that freedom is really critical, I think. And that sounds like another book, which is Deep Work, that talks a lot about this. Right? Uh-huh. And okay. It, yeah. It's so true. I mean, it just, and it, it's so frustrating because even as a, a business owner myself, you read this, you're all motivated, you know, you know what's true. And so you start yeah. scheduling time to do this stuff and thinking about it. And then two, three, four weeks later, life gets right back to normal and all these tasks have consumed you again. But the other book I'll throw out there, one of my favorites for the longest time was called uh, Who Moved My Cheese? Oh, it's great like one. this fictitious yeah. book. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's these two mice in the maze, Hem and Haw. You know, and they they go to their, their little block of cheese. It's this big fat <laughs> block of cheese. They go to it every day, 
for years and they're just like nibbling off the same block of cheese every day and they're like so fat and happy they don't realize the block is getting smaller and smaller and like one day they show up and there's no more cheese and you can either hem and haul which are great character names about the fact that that cheese isn't there any longer uh, you know one mouse like basically ends up starving to death while the other one goes out and finds a new block of cheese and right you know it it's 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 weird to think about how this is all still changing so much even in 2022 because, you know, I think of e-commerce kind of revolutionizing thing 10 years ago. But the reality is, is that especially on the B2B side, that hasn't really happened yet. And there's still great opportunities here to take advantage of it. We, we have one business in particular that does B2B stuff. And just having the stuff available, I mean, it, the bar is low. It's crazy. Yeah. Just having the stuff available. Yep. You know, having a place for them to buy the stuff online in, in the most frictionless way possible and getting it out the door quickly with no no BS wins us so much business. Right. You know, the, the effort is actually really minimal where on the B2C side, yeah. holy crap, is the <laughs> the bar high. Very Because there's so much competition. Yes. Yeah, it's so competitive. And I think there's still so much room, you know, left on this side of the fence. I've got a story in my book, Mike, that talks about a – a small distributor, and the small would be, I think they're maybe, maybe about eight or ten million dollars. So I mean, sizable business, but in the world of B2B, that distribution, that, that's a relatively small business. They launched e-commerce. This is to your point, maybe six years ago. They have almost doubled the business from e-commerce. Hmm. And it's right. amazing. And, and, and it's, and what do they do? They sell fasteners. This is not, this is a commodity product. This is not a, it's not a very highly differentiated product. They, but, but what they, they did the fundamentals right. You know, they're, they're in SEO. They, they, they're on marketplaces. They're in places that, you know, where the customer wants to buy and their own e-commerce is frictionless. They get on there, you get it, you buy it. It's, it's, it's like a B2C like experience, but accommodating all the B2B workflows, you know, buying on terms, et cetera. But at the end of the day, amazing returns. I mean, the ROI is enormous. And just like you're seeing in B2B, if you do the if you do the foundational elements well and apply all the best practices we've learned in B2C, you can transform a business. It's it's incredible what can happen. And that 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 example is is just one and you're seeing it too, right? You're not struggling for the next one or two percent as you would in consumer. Yep. You can you can you can double the business in five years. Incredible, right? So anyway, yeah, no, it's 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 impactful and on both sides on the on the buy side too. You know, they're using digital to source all kinds of things nowadays. That, yeah, absolutely. Thing, so and the other thing that I see, you know, in that exact, we, we actually have a business that falls in the exact, like you could be talking about us. Oh, really? That, that yeah. fastener business. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's a commodity, same thing. It's yep. not quite fasteners. It's very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the thing that I've noticed that I really enjoy about the B2B thing more than anything else is because it's a, it, our, our experience is both for B2C mm-hmm. and, an, and B2B. And so the way that we handle the B2B is just offer volume discounts. Mm-hmm. You buy one of these things, it's it's nine ninety nine each. You buy five thousand of them, you can get them down for like fifty cents a piece, kind of thing. The the customer who buys one nine ninety nine one will be the biggest pain in your rear end. They will flame you on every social media channel. Want to return it? They want like three times their money back for all the inconvenience. Yep. And the B two B guy who buys like ten thousand dollars of this stuff at a time, like you never hear from them. Right. Like you like you send them an email, thank him for the order, doesn't even respond. You know, it's just like. It's a totally different world. They're so they're 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 so easy to work with. They're easy to work with. They appreciate the fact that you're 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 helping them with their business, and they repeat order a lot. If you make it easy mm-hmm. for them to buy again and again and again, 
Uh, and this is true on the buy side. If it's easy for you as a buyer to log into a site, see what you bought the last time and reorder it and get out of the way of the transaction, you can earn loyalty. And just by removing friction, you're seeing this in your business and they end up being some of your best customers without you know, having the same level of, you know, the same level of challenge. I love B2B for that reason. I lived, Mike, in B2C for 17 years and, uh, you know, I love consumers. But at the end of the day, <laughs> the B2, if I if I can have ten thousand or five thousand or a hundred B two B customers versus two million consumers, I'm going to take my B two B customers all day long, because because they yeah, are appreciative, and and they and they repeat order from you all the time if you're doing a good job. So it's it's a hundred percent see that every day, and that's that example in the book too. You know, it's the same thing they're getting repeat orders. So it's a very profitable business as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Again, I want to be respectful of your time. We're already we're already going to we're going to run late. It, it happens. I, I'd like to talk too <laughs> no much. Worries. But two two last things. Sure. I love to end on talking about mistakes to avoid. Mm-hmm. So if you can think of of a big mistake to avoid, or maybe there's two. Let's let's end there, and then I have one more thing after that that I want to talk about, and then we'll we'll let you go. Yeah, no worries. Yes, mistakes. I've made plenty of them. <laughs> So, you know, I think, you know, gosh, yeah. starting five businesses and, you know, three or four of them didn't, didn't work. And you know, thankfully, I'm one now that's, that's, doing we should start mistakes I've made.com yeah, you know and, and work together on this project. Yeah. yeah. We've got lots yeah. of them. Yeah. But I would say, you know, gosh, one of the biggest, one of the biggest mistakes I made in my career was not, it has to go, going back to the taking time thing, right? I didn't, you know, I'm going back, gosh, like 12 years ago, 13 years, a while ago. I've been in this field for a long time. The, Making a mistake and and not doing taking time to do due diligence on a platform and I, you know this is this is a uh, mistake I see still happening particularly in B two B where folks don't you know they don't take the time thinking about your e commerce platform selection for a software that you should live with for a decade and this is a little bit tangential from you know the focus of our discussion today but at the end of the day. You know, I didn't take time to really evaluate. I was I was a COO of this company, and ultimately, this cost me my job. I did not take enough time up front to really think about the right selection for an e-commerce platform. And what ended up happening was we went through two replatforms, launching an e-commerce site that was a disaster. We had to replatform again, and it cost the company a lot of money and and, and time, a wasted time. And you know, this I think. It gets back to the time thing. You've got to take the time up front to really make sure you're doing your, your, your due diligence and thinking about decisions like this. It's easy to fall for, oh, this sounds like a great solution, but you got to take time, step back and, and really think through your plan. And if it's a big decision like that, don't, don't just fall for what the salespeople are telling you. You've got to really go through a process in some of these things. And it get, and again, it gets back to the thing I talked about. So big mistake. And I've learned that, you know, I've got to be deliberate about getting out of my environment, getting, you know, going to take a walk, you know, I, you know, whatever, whatever you have to do to get yourself out of your environment and spend an hour a day just doing something other than sitting at your desk looking at email. So again, get, getting back to so that was one big mistake I made. And, you know, it, it, it's, but I learned a lot from it. And, you know, what are the signals when you need to step back and really take that time? And evaluate something more carefully. So don't do that. If you're launching an e-commerce site, make sure you're, you're really taking your time with understanding what you're getting yourself into and who you're partnering with. Yeah. And it's, it's tough. I mean, I've made this same mistake because yeah. like you said, the salespeople are good. Yeah. Their marketing right. channels are, are really good. 
And it's a little black boxish. You really can't fully peek under the hood most of the time right. until you sign the contract and, and you're, you're a little bit further down the, the pipe. And so I, I like the idea of like getting references and talking to other people that are on the platform and seeing it in action through their eyes and, and the mistakes that they maybe, you know, have realized that they've made. Uh, and it is expensive yes. and very laboriously trying to go back and, and change it again. Uh, I've been through it. And so I mean, I think it's, it's definitely. It, Spot on advice. Yeah, Mike, I think the other thing is, you know, being brutally honest, not only about the reality of your business, but also about what you are good at as a person. Uh, that's This took me, by the way, probably two decades to learn that my, I'm yeah. best at other th- things other than operating the nuts and bolts of an e-commerce site. My best, my, my, I am best at strategy and sales and marketing and business development and the big picture stuff. And I've learned another thing along along the way for me as a business owner is to put other people, partners alongside me. So in every business I now own, and I own several, I have a partner who also owns a business with me who is really good at those things that I'm not good at. And I think that's another thing that took me a long time to learn. Another big mistake was not learning that sooner, <laughs> right? So learning yeah. what your strengths are and really being self-aware is another thing that's critical in business, I think. So another big mistake, but just, you know, again, it's it's part of life. You know, you learn what you're good at. So. I'm not too hard on myself yeah. on that one, but it, it does, it does, it was a key learning for me. I mean, the unfortunate thing is, is that even there's two guys like bearing their soul, like talking about this on a podcast about how they've done yeah. this. A lot of people will still go make the same mistakes. Like a lot of them, you think, oh, I'm not going to fall in the same trap. And yeah. <laughs> I think I was that, that guy arrogantly one day years ago, uh, thinking the same thing. Hopefully, you know, it'll either us talking about it or some other experiences adding up will, will help with that because it's, it's an, some of these things are easy things to fall you into. You got to listen to that little voice you know. inside when it's telling you that it's not, it's not, it's, you know, you're yeah. not, you know, if you're, you know, there's a difference between uncertainty and humility. I think you've got to be humble in, in business because that, th- those voices will tell you something, right? <laughs> not to get creepy or supernatural, but I mean, really listen to your gut. I, I found it trusting that is, yeah, is important. So. Yep. All right. So I mentioned one more thing that yeah. I wanted to to talk about. I mean, I just uh, you, you you've mentioned it a few times in the podcast so far that you've written yeah. a book. So take a minute to plug the book. Tell people what the name of it is, yeah. what it's about, where they can buy it, and and also how they can get a hold of you if they want to chat with yeah, you. Yeah, I appreciate that, Mike. Thank you. So the book is Billion Dollar B two B e commerce. If you put a dot com at the end, you can find out where to buy it and learn more about the book. It's <laughs> a if, Billion dollar B2B ecommerce.com. So it's a, it's a mouthful. But really the reason I wrote the book was as a, it's a 400 page book, it's 12 chapters. It's really a playbook for B2B companies to use to, to bring digital and e-commerce into their business. I talk about, it's mainly oriented towards sellers. So manufacturers, distributors, brands, et cetera, that want to sell. I know we have buyers on the line here too, and you can also learn from this for your business, but e-commerce is a, is a, is really a fundamental part of so many businesses these days. And I wrote the book because I would get questions all the time. How do I, how do I use e-commerce for my business? I interviewed about a hundred companies for it. There's about 35 case studies in the book. And uh, yeah, so again, you can just go to the website and buy it. And, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to, uh, you know, these days do a lot of this kind of thing, podcasts and speaking and call on by companies to help them understand how to digitize their business. So that's, you know, that's a bit about it. And you can also, you can also find my contact information on that site if you want to reach out to me. Very good. Brian, thank you so much for coming and spending some time with us today. I can't thank you enough. Also, thank you to Alibaba.com for hosting us on this podcast today. It's been fun as always. And best of luck to you out there the rest of the year. And keep in touch. Great to be here and chat with you. 
Thanks, Brian. Alibaba.com e-commerce Academy is the official podcast from the Alibaba.com team. Each week on the show, we bring you conversations with industry leading experts who are using Alibaba.com to build and scale their businesses. These conversations help you explore opportunities through digital global sourcing amidst changing times and find diversified winning products and leading suppliers on Alibaba.com. Subscribe and be sure to check back for regular episodes.